in the morning. An earthquake in New Orleans opens up a series of fissures around the city. A family discovers there is greater danger at hand. A species of giant fire-breathing spiders has evolved deep underground, and the seismic activity has awoken them from hibernation and allowed them to cause mayhem on the surface. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the B-Movie Bros. Here review B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. So, you may have been expecting us to uh, talk about Wicked City, but... uh, there were some complications in the last week, so we're moving right along. We're heading into September, and we're doing animals attacking. Went from anime to animals. So, we're taking a look at the 2012 film Arachnoquake. What you heard was the Amazon description. Let's dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties top and bottom three. How should we go about it? Let's start with the bottom first. Alright, I'll get us going with number three. Paul's dad in the movie could have survived and been the hero if only Paul had manned up and shot the fucking spider when he first had the chance, instead of his dad having to distract it, get burned, and, you know, eventually not be the hero of the film we all wanted him to be. Number two. For a movie that's described about giant fire-breathing spiders, not many of the spiders are giant, and there is not enough fire-breathing. I think, like, two of them breathed fire for just the hell of it. And then it didn't really even accomplish anything. It's like, look, we can do this now. And number one, there's a whole set of scenes where they talk about capturing and dissecting one of the spiders in order to learn about their weaknesses, when it seems like bullets have been doing fine so far. I mean, that's their fucking weakness. Shoot the little bastards. They seem to explode when you shoot them. No big deal. Number three, there were too many characters constantly coming in and out of the film that I started to lose track of who was who, though to be honest, I don't think it really mattered for the most part. They were pretty interchangeable. Number two, the protagonist of the film, a guy named Paul, was completely useless. He shows up late to work and almost ruins his dad's business, can barely drive a bus, and he stands around while his dad gets attacked by a spider while he, you know, is carrying a fucking rifle and could have saved him. And then if his dad eventually dies because, you know, incompetence and disappointment in his son, he was unworthy of holding the name of Paul. And number one, there's a side plot involving the father and husband of some of the characters in the main story driving a bus full of high school girls going to a softball game and it just really felt out of place like the scenes didn't transition well and every time it the story shifted to that plot it felt like I was watching a different film like a kind of a lamer version of the film I was watching in the first place and because it felt out of place and it made the movie feel a lot longer than it actually needed to be. And plus, when, like, the two groups, like, meet each other, or, well, the dad meets his kids, and, well, his wife was dead, so he didn't really meet her. But it it seems so pointless. Like, he just kind of stands around and does nothing, along with his kids who stand around and do nothing during the final battle. I, I wish I would have stuck with one story, or one main kind of story, and just not really done anything with 
like a side side plot. Like have like B stories where it involving what the characters are going through or something. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's better story. better than most movies that are disaster films where there's like seven subplots. I mean, at least they only had one in this movie. And and I feel like the whole reason they even had that was because of the guy who played um, John Connors in the second uh, Terminator movie played the dad and like, well, okay, you needed a quote-unquote celebrity for this movie. You had to to do something for your top-billed actor. (laughs) All right, on to the top three. For me, number three, the movie is pretty straightforward. I mean, giant spiders are attacking and people are trying to survive. It only deviates from that formula, a few short moments of the film, and I'm okay with that. Number two, the spiders are laughably bad CGI, and it just it makes me smile every single time I see them. I can't help myself. Number one, there are plenty of spiders to keep all the characters on the defense for most of the film. I mean, a lot of times in these kind of movies where there's a natural disaster and there's some kind of monster or something that comes about it, the monsters play, like, a very small role, or they're only in it, like, very little. No, in this movie, they're constantly throwing spiders at these people. And, you know, that's what makes it all the better and so much fun to watch. Number three. There were some pretty good one-liners in this film. It wasn't the most witty or intelligent dialogue I've ever heard, but I got a few laughs out of it, and that's the important part. Number two, the CGI spiders and the explosions were just so laughably terrible, I couldn't help but enjoy it. I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. And number one, this movie was basically exactly what I expected it to be. It was a goofy sci-fi movie featuring something ridiculous, and I wasn't disappointed. I literally got everything I expected out of it. No more and no less. Well, since Paul mentioned the dialogue a little bit, let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. war. We'll quote this movie back and forth. You tell us who had the better quotes. I'll get us started with, on Okinawa, I saw a giant tarantula the size of a grapefruit suck a man's eyeball right out of his head. There's nothing human, humanological about that. You dumber than a box of hammers. Don't go skinny dipping with snapping turtles. This place is crawling with giant spiders. Please tell me this isn't your fault. Time to show Daddy Longlegs how we roll in the bayou. Time to dance, you big beautiful bitch. Now that's how you make jambalaya. That ends this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this film or anything else you like to say, leave it in the comments below. It's time to give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Shot scale's a reverse scale. 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a 3 out of 10. I gave it a 4 out of 10. So, oh, Ragnarquake is just a simple pleasure. Just people and spiders fighting for supremacy and control of the Earth. Sure, there are a few moments of spiders breathing fire, and the characters are either know-it-alls or complete dipshits, but I've come to expect nothing less than from sci-fi originals, and I enjoy it. Arachnaquake was pretty much what I've come to expect from sci-fi original films, especially during the era of Sharknado. It's got a ridiculous premise involving animals and some kind of natural disaster, terrible acting, and even worse CGI. It is, by all conceivable measurements, stupid. However, as expected, the same qualities that made it stupid also made it somewhat entertaining. 
I'm not really sure whether a movie that was deliberately trying to be bad for comedic purposes can be considered so bad it's good. I'm pretty sure that's just called a parody. Either way, it's a gimmick that isn't at all original, and the jokes were very hit or miss. That being said, I overall enjoyed Arachnoquake. Everything about the film screams cheap, meaning that you pretty much get what you're paying for. So considering it's, ma it's a made-for-TV movie, I'd say the price is worth it. I think it's time, though, to tell our friends how to drink away the slick. Drink away the slick. So come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the slick. Bum, 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 bum. We'll give you some drinking games for this film, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one. Every time there's an obvious commercial break transition, take a drink. Number two. Every time someone gets dragged away, take a drink. Number three. Whenever Pops is the hero, take a drink. Number four. Anytime someone mentions an earthquake, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's Animal Attacks Month, anytime an animal surprises a character, take a drink. Every time Paul is useless, take a drink. Oh, that one hurt to say. Every time a spider breathes fire, take a drink. Every time someone has an interaction with their father, take a drink. And every time you see a soldier or a veteran, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away the slick. If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-Move related, you can leave us a comment on either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoverosgmail.com, like us on Facebook at facebook.com, and ask bmoverose, follow us on Twitter at bmoverose, or my personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. You can check out all our other content, including reviews, interviews, and chats on our website bmoviebros.com. We have new shows each week. If you want to help support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links provided below. We come to the end of week one here for Animal Attacks. So, obviously, in the number one spot is Arachnoquake. Yeah, it was a tough competition, but Arachnoquake is one, and also two, three, and four. So, we'll have to see if it gets dethroned next week when we take a look at the 1977 so-called eco-horror film, Ants. Oh, man. Can the ants take down the spiders? I guess we'll find out. So, until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Get on the next one. I'll see you in a little bit.